one of the biggest things that was keeping me from starting this podcast for many years, actually, several, uh, a bunch, way too many, was what to do with the recordings after the interview. Kind of the interview part and talking to people, that was what I wanted to do, but then it doesn't just magically appear on the interwebs. The audio has to be edited, fixed, levels checked, put together, pieced together, this added, that taken out, and that probably more than anything was what kept me from taking action on getting the podcast started. Anyway, through our guest, Rob Minton, I found his amazing daughter, Hannah, Hannah the Engineer. I'll mention her to the guest almost in every episode because of the magic that she works and getting the podcasts edited and put together into what you actually hear. But she is the guest today. Uh, Her dad, Rob, and her are the only guests that I've done on Zoom, which is, it's interesting what can be done with the technology. But um, before we talked, we had only traded emails together. So it was nice to see her, nice to hear her voice, and even nicer to get to hear a little bit about her story. If you enjoy the episode as much as I did, thank you, Hannah. You're definitely a blessing. So I almost always mention Hannah, the engineer, uh, in when I'm talking to a new podcast guest, but uh, Hannah, the engineer, is the guest this time, so she can start it, start this podcast wherever she would like. Thanks for being here, Hannah, and tell us where you're talking to us from. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to be a part of this rather than just hearing it a couple days later. And yeah, you do you do typically mention me, but I typically cut that part out. But it, it's like a little conversation between three of us, except I'm a ghost in the room yeah. and you can't see me and I hear about it later. I'm originally from Ohio, but right now I'm talking to you from London. I moved there almost two years ago for school and I've stayed on since. I guess this is your second part of your non Texan series, right. in which case the other one was my father. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, some of the guests probably are not. Well, you're definitely the the first two non-local ones. That's that's for sure. I don't know if they're everybody's from Texas, but everybody yeah has lived in Texas or is living in Texas right now. Are we are we gonna get some more fire episodes in the future? Do you like those, or that you found them interesting? And if so, you know what did you find interesting? I mean, I think all the episodes are really interesting. I think it's really, you get into like different, you pick people's brains in a great way. But I think the fire ones kind of stand out because they have this framing device of being, you know, specifically about joining the firemen's group. Mm-hmm. And what comes before and what comes after and retirement for some of the guys. Um, right. um, I don't know. I think the focus makes it a more singular story. There's probably a hundred or more people that I could and should do. And, and part of doing these Zooms is to be able to expand that. Man, farming, <laughs> farming got a lot of interesting stories. And there are a they lot do. of they're always, they're always really funny, especially <laughs> when you bring some of the other guys in. I, I think it was, it was, it was it, Ronnie. It was Ronnie. Yeah. yeah. That one yeah. was great because you hear Ronnie telling a story and then you hear all your friends just like tearing it up <laughs> in the background. There was someone who was like, what's a podcast? And you're like, it's kind of like the radio. I've done that because a lot of my guests so far have been in their 70s and 80s. Mr. Cole, Charles Cole, his grandson is a fireman that 
I know and works with my son, went to rookie school with my son. And I went through Hunter to ask his dad if he would be interested in doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I don't know what the hell a podcast is, but yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'll do it. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, I mean, it shows uh, how much trust people have in you. You're like, I, I, I don't guess, know what the hell this is, but right. it's Paul, so I guess I'll do it. Right. But it, it was cool, too. I got a note from her. Never spoke to her before, uh, but I got an email or a text or something from his daughter uh, mm. saying, you know, she'd listened to it and how much she appreciated it and actually learned some things and got some insights to her dad, you know, and just hearing talk about his life and what he had been through. So that's really the kind of the goal of the podcast is to just let people tell their interesting stories. So I could not do it without someone like you. You, I don't know what you do, but I appreciate <laughs> that you do it. And it's like magic to me because I've never listened to one of my podcasts. Um, yeah, that's that. It scares the hell out of me. I'm like, I hope I'm doing this in a way he's well, fine with. I, because you're like, oh, Melissa, Melissa listens to it. I'm like, she's always, everything's been good. You know, it's usually what well, she said I was better at it than thought I might be. So <laughs> that was good. What took you to England initially and what made you stay there? I mean, on paper, it was for my master's degree because that that is what gave me my visa that I could live over here but I did my master's in screenwriting and it's not a very promising career out of that so it was strictly for that visa and it just happened to be something I was interested in something that was only a year long and aside from all that I I'm really big into history in America Mm -hmm. is very very young sure I had traveled outside of the country during my undergrad. And I, I just, I needed to get to a place where there was, there's more <laughs> information, more, more things to research. And most of the stuff I've done in the past, like writing wise has always revolved around England and it just made sense. And you don't need to speak another language. That's also a, that's, a very big help. That's handy too. You're not bilingual either. No, I've, I've been no, studying Spanish for almost 40 years. I got us around in uh, Cabo a couple of years That's ago good. pretty well. You know, if, if I'm asking how to go to the beach, where's the beer? Bit you know, of beer. That sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about fluent, but I would just love to be serviceable in a couple of different languages. But uh, it's just well, I guess I'm thing. not bilingual, but I am serviceable in American Sign Language. Oh, are you? Like I could definitely have a conversation that, but it's it's also interesting because American Sign Language is closer to like French sign language than British sign language. So there are different sign languages. I, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, for sure. Wow. I mean, there is a universal one meant for like UN meetings or um, like this international deaf group, but ours is more close to French because the guy who came over to America and kind of started the, the sign language movement was French. So like, even if I see deaf people here and there's, because it's a city, like you see all sorts of people and there's often people signing on the tube. I, I like, I can't, I have no idea what they're saying. Wow. Which is I crazy. I just figured it was, there was a sign language. I did not know there were different dialects of sign language. A very notable difference between ours and theirs is our alphabet, you can do on one hand on its own, but for theirs, you need two hands. You guys love to hold your pints. Like, why Why mm-hmm. would you make it so you have to have <laughs> both? It makes no sense. Huh. That's interesting. I learned something new already. What got you interested in screenplays specifically? Do you have any prepared, ready to send out? I mean, I don't know. That's, I don't know how that works. It was an interesting podcast i think i listened to about george lucas maybe it was mm, you know had yeah. the star wars deal and he was like sneaking mm-hmm. on 
he got on the tour buses and like sneaking on to these places and then he just hopped off at one deal and started walking around like he was working yeah, there yeah and after about two weeks some security guard asked him hey man are you doing something around here and anyway um, are you working on anything do you have anything thrown out there or put out there I guess put out there is kind of like a tricky thing because I have things written and I'm more than happy to send them to people if requested, but there's not really a place you can just post them without there being a liability for um, copyright issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's more a need to send out basis. I'd say I have two full, like, like normal length movie scripts. Mm-hmm that I think are ready to go. I have another one that I've been working on for the last like four years and it won't figure itself out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm currently expanding a piece I did as like a 10 minute script into proper movie length. Right. So I think this will technically be my fourth, even though half of them are ready to go. What about yeah. doing something like with one of your scripts? Like what was that movie where they did with a video camera uh, at the night? Blair Witch. Yeah, Blair Witch. You yeah. Know, you get some, hire some of your classmates or you have over there and hey, let's let's make this thing and just make it a movie. Right. You're right. I mean, that was, I was short, more into but... that for my undergrad. Like, I had more energy to do that. Granted, my undergrad was specific for film. It wasn't, like, more niche as in screenwriting. So we did have to make films. Mm-hmm. And I made a film in high school with some friends, and we raised money and get that off the ground. It wasn't good at all, but it, it was incredibly informative for, I think, all of us, especially because another friend of mine who did that with me, we ended up going to the same film school after. So it kind of was the step we needed in order to like decide like okay yes i'm gonna throw my life away and go to art school (laughs) and uh put myself in debt for this like is this worth going into debt for we did that Mm -hmm. thing and it was like yeah i guess so so is it worth it now Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna say i'm too early in my career to be able to say so okay um that's fair a a lot of people do not go to film school to get into the industry and a lot of times it's like a happenstance Mm -hmm. you're lucky to be at a certain place at a certain time thing it's always a toss-up everyone has a very different opinion on it but i think for me it was more valuable to have a means of getting over to england is there like a scene there i was listening to james altucher he was interviewing seth godin and they're talking about a scene so you sometimes you can just be in a scene like in a place, whether it's a city or part of a city, you know, this little cluster of people where mm-hmm. musicians, you know, artists of one form or another. And it's just like 20 years later, it's like 10 of these people were in this scene at this time. And they yeah, kind of went out and did their things and, and everything. Is is there a screenwriting or a filmmaking scene over there that you're into? I don't know if I know of one that's as cohesive as that. I feel mm-hmm. like that perhaps was more of a 20th century thing. London right now is so oversaturated, especially with artists. To find a small group of them that ends up being successful is quite tricky because there's so many people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's certainly groups like that. And I love taking to movies or books I like and realizing that the authors were connected when they were young and stuff like that's such a beautiful discovery. You never know. It's sometimes till after the fact. Wow. I was doing something really cool there. Do you have a job over there? Do you like go to work? I mean, sure you do. You do stuff for me. You do. I know you want to find out what else you do. That's amazing. I, <laughs> it just like I went to work. I got hired on the fire department when I was 20. Mm-hmm. So that's so young. And my son was just turned 21 when he got on the fire department. My daughter was married a few weeks after she was 20 and kind of, you know, went to work. So I'm, 
I'm just curious about being a young adult in a foreign land and trying to find your way. It's it's like an adventure. It's not like an adventure to me. It is. Totally it different is. than anything that me or anybody in my family has, has done. My parents were engaged by the time my mother was finishing her fifth year in college, but she had changed majors. So I believe they were already engaged at the age of 23. I'm 24 and I've got nothing like that going on in my life. I'm not disappointed or mad about that it's just yeah. very different i do the stuff on the side for you also cat sit in london which is kind of nice because it gets me out of the house and seeing different parts of the city that i probably wouldn't get to normally on the weekends i work at a pub um just random stuff like that i've taught myself how to colorize old photographs oh really and that isn't a paid thing yet but i would like for that at some point to get off the ground and to get commissions and perhaps work for like some small local museums and stuff like that so you're good with graphic artist type stuff and is that what that entails or how does that work it, it's digital but it is going in there basically and coloring like a coloring book so are you just um, guessing but what? there is research with like no no like there's research like i i go into museum archives online and see like different colors fabrics right stuff that would be used around the time of the photograph colors from paintings and just contextual things so if i sent you a black and white picture of i don't know my grandfather but you're guessing kind of at okay that's a um, that looks like it's probably a brown shirt and it looks like maybe his eyes were green or his hair was blonde is that kind of how it works yeah there's some guesswork but if it's a person that i can get actual details on like mm -hmm. what color their hair was and stuff like that my grandmother i colorized some photos of her okay. parents on so my great grandparents but having that context i can color it that way it's art you just said that respecting the times uh what movie do we just see recently anyway we just saw a race movie recently and i was thinking about God, where do they get these cars you know and all this <laughs> these old outfits do they just i guess movie studios and they just have that sort of stuff stored laying around they buy it borrow it from people do you want Possibly. an actual answer yeah I, i'm really curious okay so as for the cars they're probably hired from if I had to guess, collectors. Collector, okay, yeah, that makes Just for that event and giving back. For the clothes, it depends on the budget of the film. A lot of times clothes are made for like a period piece like that. And then after they're made and the film is over, they'll probably get sent to a prop house and other yeah, films okay. can rent them out and use them. So you can actually kind of see a repetition of some things if you have mm -hmm. a really close eye, which doesn't happen that often, but like they could be reused. Or if it's like a very big budget, they'll definitely make them for that specific piece. I'm always interested in the guts <laughs> of things. You know, how in the world does this get done and how do they do that? Right. Mechanics and the kind of coordination that goes on behind the scenes. Did you ever watch How It's Made? Yes, or how they do that or how they build that. But yes, I was thinking uh, I've got a grandson that turns seven tomorrow and He's kind of like this little mini engineer kind of guy. Yeah. And I was, ah, I need to have him, you know, show him some of those things when he's over. We don't have TV in our house. <laughs> Everything has to you be. You don't have a TV in your house? That's actually not true. We have a, we have a screen that looks like a TV, but it's about the size of a big computer screen. Well, actually a medium sized okay. computer screen. And it's got a DVD player in the side of it. So we watch DVDs every now and then. <laughs> You don't Let, stream we, anything? No. I quit w watching TV a long time ago and quit watching the news. We got rid of cable. Life's so much better without it. I don't blame you at all. 
I, I, I skip most of that myself, but there are some good like streaming shows. Oh that yeah, I've like, heard of. It. I mean, our friends watch. Like, oh, you've never seen, you know, this? Yeah, we watched twelve episodes of this, you know, over the weekend. I'm like, no, nah, ain't never seen that. No, ain't never seen. I think the last thing we watched on when we had a TV was House. House was okay. Probably. Okay, yeah. that's kind of new-ish. And I. In the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This century. The we did when we still had cable. Uh I think it was cable. Was it justified? Was something one of those kind of it was a like a series kind of deal about a small town sheriff, I don't know, somewhere. But that was like literally the last thing. Yeah, you know, we haven't had a cable service or TV or anything since then. And we get them at thrift stores and stuff. We just oh, like you oh, know, Walmart they they, sometimes they're they the library, our public library has some, and that's been the worst place uh, because, you know, you'll get mm -hmm. two thirds in and all of a sudden ah, yeah. it just freezes and you're like, oh, if you, you can find a lot of old ones that are basically new and like, you know, Walmart's got a four by eight bin of them and you just kind of go through there. It's like a, like a ball house, a ballroom or whatever. And you're just digging through trying to find a DVD that you would like to watch. So, yeah, yeah, but then you have to do. store all of them. Why are you putting all these DVDs? I know uh, Texas is quite big and everything's yeah, big in Texas, but like, yeah. how big are your DVD shelves? <laughs> They're in a box, probably 18 inches long because Melissa saves very little. She's mm -hmm. really a minimalist. And so we haven't watched it in a few years. The kids haven't watched theirs. You know, the ones she gets for them, then she'll just donate it back to the uh, goodwill humane society or or whatever and just give it away for somebody else to, to watch <laughs> and you explain to people what a podcast is and you still are dvd only that's, that's <laughs> mind-blowing i just we're talking on zoom right I now know, and you only use dvds right that's <laughs> what is that a dichotomy i'm pretty good at those actually what was it like growing up <laughs> in ohio <laughs> or with my father <laughs> I only know your father. I don't know your mother, but I've been reading your dad's stuff. Been a subscriber. He is, I don't know, eight, ten years. And uh, I've been reading his stuff recently too. I've jumped yeah. on as his uh, editor for the newsletter. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. First off, what was it like with your dad and your folks growing up in Ohio? Ohio itself is pretty basic. We live up by the lake, which I'm sure he's mentioned in the newsletter. So that's quite nice. Like you could walk or bike to it he talks a uh, lot about going for walks with his dog as much as he likes to hate on the dogs for how expensive <laughs> and mon operation money suck is his phrase he does love the dogs and i think the dogs keep him sane i was very fortunate i the older i get the more i realize how fortunate i am with my parents not only are they still together but they're happy because my dad decided to drop out of accounting after getting a very good job out of school jump into real estate he was home more than my friend's parents and i realized the older i am that that is not a prevalent thing right and to have him home and to have my parents be happy and together it's very rare these days which is so sad that is sad you're right a harmonious household is a blessing and, and don't get me wrong like it's not a perfect household. oh no, no there is no get perfect. in our like there is no such fights thing as and perfect. whatnot but i would take mostly a harmonious. handful of fights and a happy family sure. over other situations oh yeah <laughs> yeah there's really nothing in this world is perfect i stopped using that word a long time ago um but so were you 
in the theater and school and is that something you did or were you what were you involved in before i was old enough to feel ashamed of anything i i, I was in theater so like middle school uh, and then that stopped that's because so then sad. i <laughs> so isn't it i mean slightly but i'm glad i dropped it when i did because i am not very talented in that regard i'm more mm. interested in what they're talking about on stage mm -hmm. than acting right. myself but it, i mean it was fun when i was younger and i made some great friends during it my my childhood was kind of plain in high school i just hung out with my friends a lot and then we would make these like joke parody short films our last year of high school was when we made that proper short film that wasn't very good but was very helpful. You should listen to the podcast with Seth Godin on uh, Tim Ferriss's many years ago, read the transcript where he says that if we can just stop thinking of ourselves and not, he puts it as, I think, not being selfish with whatever it is that you've got to put out there because you, we never know when something we have to say or something we have said or done or painted or a movie that we've written or anything like that is going to affect somebody in a positive way. You know, we don't get to decide when and where that happens. And an artist's job is just to keep putting the work out there, not being sloppy with it, but you know, yeah, yeah. You can only have one best. Like it's well, it's not my best article. Well, it's not my best newsletter. Well, it's not my best movie. There is only one best. But you did it, and you put it out there, and it was an experiment. I listen to a lot of music, and it's common for bands, or they'll say, "Oh, I hated this song. I, we didn't even want this on the album." You know, <laughs> it's just right, like, right. One guy liked it, the other three or four or five. You're just like, "Oh God, I gotta play that again," and it turned it, you know, to their their biggest hit and you know kind of one of their anthems so you just right it's know. like thank god they kept it on the album right i hope you keep putting stuff out there and i'm telling this to you because i'm telling it to myself because i need to do the same thing as as much as i can provoke people i think it also is really great as the artists themselves like you're not even trying to make something for yourself and then it, you finish a piece and you realize how therapeutic it was mm -hmm. for you maybe an interview goes to a place you weren't expecting it to and even though you did it for the episode it, there's a benefit to you at the end and it's like a symbiotic relationship the person who does it gets a benefit and then the people in taking it can also be benefited from it oh i think so too i mean doing the podcast for me was one thing it was i just fiddle farted around and just never would do anything i didn't i had all the stuff like for years yeah. i've had this stuff taught myself out of it and then going through program deal with your dad and he said man you keep coming back to this podcast he said what's stopping you and i was just like ah. honestly the biggest thing was stopping me was not having somebody to do what you're doing i wanted to do this part that sounds interesting mm -hmm. and then i want to hand it off to somebody that i don't want to have to listen to it again i don't want to have to edit it i don't want to have to do anything and so i guess that's parts lazy of me but um I no, just, no, it's not lazy. I'm very hyper aware right now of like everything I'm <laughs> saying and what I will cut and what I'll, I'll need to cut. And oh, I've hesitated there. That's going to take a second to cut out. So it's not lazy. I think it also affects the quality of the podcast. If in every episode you are on your own shoulder, like thinking about the editing process and what you'll have to do, I think that some of the quality would diminish. That makes sense. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I just I hope wouldn't... that in the future you feel comfortable enough to listen to them and maybe in a couple of years and, and, the the intimacy of the time is broken and you could just 
love them for what they are because they're in the past. Right. Maybe I will. I mean, I have no, uh, I'll listen to a lot of podcasts. So I just, um, knowing that it's there. Okay. I know I had this conversation with Hannah. I had this conversation yeah. with Ronnie. I had this conversation with Mr. Cole. I know I can, that's the big thing to me, I guess, is that it's, it's like, it's in the vault. It's, I can go back and listen to it. It's there. You know, a lot of the people that I've interviewed are older in their seventies mm-hmm. and eighties. And I think a lot about not dawdling and getting interviews done with those people because i mean none of us know what life's going to bring but uh you know especially somebody a certain age i mean there's the odds of you know if you wait a year or two to make that call and set something up then you've missed the opportunity yeah i particularly love those episodes of yours because i'm like imagining myself as their like great great grandchildren Mm -hmm. you know stumbling upon the episode not really having a direct connection with mm-hmm. their grandfather, for the most mm-hmm. cases, with your previous episodes. And then suddenly hearing them talk for maybe an yeah. hour, it's as if they're in the room with you. And even though you've never met that person, you now have that connection. So I think it's it's great that you're archiving these memories of people. Pretty much exactly what I was you know, thinking about for a lot of the interviews was just being able to do that for, and I hope that my grandkids, great-grandkids um, will be be able to come back and listen to me oh you know pj he was he was all right (laughs) do people call you pj that's cool only my grandkids um but yeah they were pj and missy uh that was the we weren't going to be gramps and granny or grandma and papa or anything like that so i'm not sure how we settled on pj but i'm pj and they're very fresh she's missy so and that then i just started now i think of myself if I want to do good, I would say, what would PJ do? Because, you know, your grandkids not worship you, but they think so much of you. And I feel like they bring out the best in me. Were you very close to your grandparents? One of them was my paternal grandmother, <laughs> Nanny, yeah. Nanny Skinner. She was a hoot. And so we went over there and a lot. Uh, like how the whole family was just one of those places for whatever reason she made great pinto beans uh chocolate pie <laughs> um, odd combination and, and sweet sweet just as sweet as you could stand at tea it was just a gathering place on holidays and different times they lived outside of dallas so back in the day you couldn't watch the cowboy game if it didn't sell out they were close enough to tyler we could get out and turn the antenna to face more east, and we would pick up the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Channel 7 out of Tyler. So your grandparents so, were a commodity, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. And <laughs> so we had all the grandkids would get over there a lot of times, and it was just a, a place to, to go and have fun. And I guess you know, that's what we want Missy and PJ's house to be. Anyway, I don't know which name is cooler, Nanny Skinner or Missy. We had two nannies. Grandmother had, sounds like a badass. She was. She actually had a pistol in her purse, and you did not. She did not mess around. <laughs> and I don't know. She was funny. She had a bold personality. She was married like seven times. Um, <laughs> the last one, uh, Bill, who was not my grandfather. Uh, he was the last one. It was Nanny and Bill. We go. You gonna go to Nanny and Bill's? Yep, we're going to Nanny and Bill's watch the cowboys and it was a cool place to go and yeah i would like our grandkids to look back and think about going to missing pjs and what kind of music do you like 
All sorts. I, I will admit that my family is more into modern country than I am, but I can mm-hmm. I can get down to some old Dolly Parton or oh yeah, is it John Denver? And... Yep. Now like all kinds, uh, many kinds, I guess. Probably not all kinds, but many kinds. I have a wide variety on my. I don't know if it's it's not the original. I'm sure, but it's a old, old, old iPod. Five or six hundred songs on it. And that's what I was. Was that the one without a screen? Uh, it does actually have a screen. It's not the mm. little tiny one. It's one about the size. Yeah, yeah. A little bigger than a credit card, but it does. It looks a little bit like an early iPhone um, because it does have that the kind of screen and apps on it. I'm terrified of when that thing just craps out on me and then I won't know to do with all my songs that are on there. So I got to get them someplace. So. Would you you got to jump on a Spotify train. I do have Spotify. Spotify. I do have Spotify, but they don't. I want these songs. I bought these CDs. I mean, <laughs> we've still got a deal that thick of CDs. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, and I went down and there next and put to them, all your DVDs. Yeah, right, probably. <laughs> and then put them all. You downloaded <laughs> them. Got the songs I wanted. Got a playlist. And I, uh, I want that. I want <laughs> that playlist. So. Because I can't just put them on more CDs. Yeah. I guess maybe like an external hard drive. Yeah. I don't I know. I mean, I remember buying them for like a dollar twenty nine right around the iPod time. Mm-hmm. The and CDs? now it's like individual songs. Oh, like, yes. A dollar twenty nine on iTunes. Right. Yeah, I did that a bunch too. I read something recently that said that for the first time since I don't know eighty eight or ninety eight or something that's albums outsold CDs or something like that. Actual vinyl albums i believe it coming back i think i own more vinyl than cds i I, I feel like all my cds are from when i was really young if i still have them so you have a record player not in this country some of the fun things about (laughs) living in a different country is like what you bring over what you Mm, like yeah you gotta really um really think about it yeah yeah. I, i would love to bring all my records over and my uh stereo because i finally got a good one but no they're sitting in my parents basement okay sadly <laughs> my wife uh like i said she's minimalist but uh she gave our kids a little while after they moved out and then she said all right come get your stuff i've got one box <laughs> one box <laughs> of stuff and if you want it come get it this is all i've saved from your from your childhood Oh my God! She's like, you don't want it, and I guess our family just got rid of my sister and I's crib this past year. Really? My sister is (laughs) nineteen. Golly! Now that's some saving right there. Was it like in a? It wasn't in like a storage building or something where you're paying by the month. No, no, we uh, jam packed it all into the attic, and then when I moved, I had to get a storage unit for my apartment contents. When I decided to stay here longer, they were like, why don't we clear out some of the attic space and you can stop paying like yeah. that that bill every month and you can just keep it in there for whenever you end up living in the States again. I'm surprised your dad hasn't bought a uh, bought or built a uh, storage facility or something supposedly great. You know what? When I moved into that facility and when I moved out, it was just yapping about how great of an investment they were. That's great. Can you help pick up my bed frame with me? Like, I, we need to get it to the car. He's looking at the cash flow, right? But he's yeah, that whole time, he's like, man, these are, these are great. Yeah. 
like <laughs> you can use on this when you're doing your newsletter but right now like i'm sweating and i want to take a shower let's get this finished y'all play cash flow kids i think i asked your dad about that yeah you did you did talk about that did you she tried to with okay. me a couple of times and it was it was just i don't know i think there's a good attempt to try and make it <laughs> enticing for children but i don't know if it really hit that spot right especially based on what you said about your children like i, I wasn't yeah. the only one <laughs> i think my daughter may have cried a couple of times but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean we still have it but i have better memories of playing um this game called Pretty Pretty Princess with my father, which will kill me. I remember that. Disgusting. I, I remember that. You I play that one too? That. I don't know if I played it, but I remember hearing it. We probably had it. Pretty Pretty Princess. It was great. Cool. Every time you like went up a level, you had to put on more jewelry. So by the end, my dad would be decked down in this plastic jewelry. It was, <laughs> it was brilliant. I've got one granddaughter that actually probably two that would love that game. We have to check into it. See if I can still get a, see if it's still available. What other things do you, you, you have going on? What's, what's next for Hannah Minton, chief engineer oh of the podcast? More podcast episodes whenever they get sent to me. Those yep. are definitely my future. I, I'm just constantly kind of working on different projects, but I think the the biggest project I need to figure out right now is how to stay in England when my visa expires next year, because I will have to be sponsored by a company to get a work visa. And even if I were to get a proper job in the film industry, most of those jobs are on like a limited contract. So like they'll hire you. And when that film's over, then you go off and you find a new film to work on. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing long term that could actually sponsor like a three, five year visa. So I think that's my biggest project, but that's definitely not what you're asking. <laughs> no, that's totally what I'm asking. Are you set on, do you want to live there? Is that where you want to be for long term? I guess, how about that? I think there's more for me personally here. I, I like going back home, but it's mainly to see people I, I feel like I have more potential over here for some okay. reason, but it's very difficult because I am so fortunate to be close with my parents. It's hard being 3,000 miles away from them. I talk mm. to them almost every day. They actually came up for about two weeks earlier this month, and I dragged them around England, and they dealt with public transport and stuff like that and <laughs> missed their cars, but... I was really appreciative. So I don't know. It's tricky. I I I almost wish I was in the middle of the sea so I didn't have either. And I, I could just miss them both equally because I'm never content. If I'm home, I I miss some things about here. And when I'm here, I miss being with my yeah. family. I got you. I am thankful for you, Hannah Minton. I could not do this podcast uh, without you. I could do the podcast, but then I would just sit there, you know, and never world. So actually helping me get it out to where people can listen to it and can be out in the world. I really do appreciate it. So I, I appreciate you trusting me with it. And I also, I'm really grateful that it's actually interesting to listen to mm -hmm. because it could very easily be boring and dry. This last episode with the Spartan guys, I was like smiling the entire time as you guys were just having so much fun that I was really? having fun listening to it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So uh, even yeah, some... Random 24-year-old in Ohio can get something out of it. I think that's a testament to the quality. I appreciate it very much. Anything you'd like to say to our wide world of podcast listeners <laughs> before you go? Well, you would know far more than I, I would how wide that goes. Well, I, I have no clue. That's another thing I don't even look at. I don't want to look. <laughs> I literally don't. So if you know how to look at it, look it up because 
I don't know if I know my wife listens to them. And I, I do get comments from the business owners that I've interviewed. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go in there and buy something. Say, hey, someone came in the other day and said they heard about us on the podcast or listened to the podcast and that sort of deal. So that's, really, yeah, so that's pretty cool, I think. And um, was that the same with the wineries? Uh, yes. People at the wineries have said, hey, you know, somebody came in and uh, or they'll tell people about the podcast. Vice yeah. versa, people have come to the wineries, uh, local people usually. They're they're pretty easy to find because our area, more and more wineries around. And so people are always, you know, searching for wineries in Henderson County or wineries, you know, near Athens, that sort of thing. So they they get a lot of customers that way. But hopefully when they learn about the podcast, learn a little bit about the owners and the people and that causes them to come back more often i think it's great i think it's a great community booster and i always kind of see i mean granted i'm very much an outsider i've never been to texas or anything but i i see your podcast as like a town hall board you interview these people because you are interested in them in some sort of way a very organic process all right hannah thanks for being on thank you so much